Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Dil Kokoro. Uh, just wanted to make a quick note since I was editing the podcast here. Uh, we kind of get into a discussion about Netflix and specifically about some licensing. And some of the shows we discuss have actually recently changed hands with licensing. And even though we kind of, you know, sit there and say we wouldn't be surprised if they moved, we both were very confident that uh, Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works wasn't going anywhere. And from the sounds of it, it might be on the move. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that this was recorded about two weeks ago. Uh, writer Red, my buddy here, he's uh, he's been pretty busy being a father, so we had to kind of fit in a time here to do this, and I wanted to get the pod ready. Um, the other big thing is, I apologize for my microphone. Um, I've been noticing since I started using a Craig-based uh, recording and this kind of bleeds over into the main Anate podcast, so I'm apologizing for that too. Um, I don't think it cooperates very well with my connection, and it just kind of sounds like garbage. So uh, I'm sorry that it cuts out. I try my best with it. Um, you know, my living situation is what it is right now, so I kind of have to deal with the cards I'm dealt right now. So with that said, uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hope you're all doing well, and go check out Umi's article. As a good friend of mine would say. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to the Dill Kokoro Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Dill Kokoro. You haven't gotten rid of me just yet. So, uh, recently, uh, there's been quite a bit of controversy with uh, Netflix. I, say, I shouldn't say recently. It's been the last few years. Netflix has been really stomping on the anime game. And one of the biggest problems that people express their frustration with is that they hold on to all of the episodes as shows are airing and a lot of people just end up pirating it anyways i wanted to bring on somebody today that i i knew uh shared my kind of uh, interest in watching uh particularly dubs of anime on netflix i'm actually glad to be joined by my friend former co-worker, writer of Red, and he's also a kind of a, a kind of a lurker on Anate. You know, he comments and likes on some stuff. How you doing, man? <laughs> good, good. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad, you know, I, I was on vacation pretty recently and I, I stopped by and visited you and we were talking about uh, having you on the pod. So, um, you know, I, I want to start off like, you know, right off the bat. Um, what was... Uh, what was your first anime on uh, Netflix? Because I know you said that's how you kind of broke into the medium. Yeah, I think uh, the first anime that I watched on Netflix was, and, and I know you, a lot of people are going to hate me for this, um, but I was watching it with my wife, and I think it was Sword Art Online. You know, it, people won't hate you for that just because I know that that is, for the people who got into anime through Netflix, I think that was the first one that they really kind of uh, put some eggs into a basket for, so to right. speak, because that seems to be the one that everybody liked and everybody was like, yeah, you got to check out the show. It, it's interesting you say that because I know you said you and your wife are real into the Netflix anime stuff. I, I don't know if they fully anticipated anime picking up like it did. Like, you know, they, they kind of got that on there. And at that point, you know, all that... Uh, Without like jumping in onto stuff like Crunchyroll, or I, I even think I got into, uh, I think I even got into anime through Hulu. Mm -hmm. But to that point, I, I think you can, you could agree with me. Uh, back in the day, the only way I, it's, they're still on, so I shouldn't say back in the day, but like Toonami was how we used to watch our anime. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Because we didn't really have streaming back then, you know, or like you right. get off, you get off from school, you'd watch Pokemon or Dragon Ball Z or whatever's on the reruns. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, like that was always something that we were like, oh, that's cool, but it wasn't like, oh man, I gotta go. I don't have to like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it wasn't like anime was such a, a a thing that we sought out. It was just what was on TV. Yeah, and and you didn't have it readily available twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, the way that you do now. Right. And uh, what people will hate you for uh, is another show that uh, you and I have expressed our uh, mutual love for, and that's the Fate franchise. They really, <laughs> uh, they really capitalized off of the success from Sword Art Online, and they started kind of grabbing the Fate franchise. And I don't even think Netflix anticipated how big the fan base was for Fate and how much uh, having their stuff on there would... Uh, you know, springboard that part of Netflix. And, you know, there's going to be some revisionists who are commenting on my podcast. Well, actually, you know, whatever, you know, like <laughs> we're talking here in general sense. I remember you and I were celebrating uh, 4th of July one time and uh, I brought up Psychopaths out of the blue and you actually told me that was on Netflix. And I completely, I completely slipped my mind that that, that would have been how people saw it. Yep. That that's where I saw the first season. Um, I still haven't seen the second season to this day, but <laughs> that's that is where I saw it was on Netflix. Oh man, and it's so funny because I was just on an I was on a flagship Anate uh, podcast uh, with uh, our uh, admin uh, Proton Storm. He asked me about if I had seen the second Psychopaths, and I said no. And I said Netflix also wised up and didn't put it on there either because it, it it was a very divisive kind of. Uh, it, Without getting too into it, I think I've told you a little bit about this. They didn't really consult the original creator when they made it. And uh, there was some grief about, like, it kind of retconned itself by the end of it. So you're like, why am I watching this? Like, <laughs> it, it ended up just being, like, what people would, like, just an absolute waste of time. Um, right. But, you know, it, it's changed over, though, because where other people watch that now, and I want to say it's not on Netflix anymore. It's actually on Funimation. Funimation has both seasons and the movie. And it's interesting, you know, you have everybody who's trying to make their grabs for their different uh, streaming services. And it's it was just a matter of time before anime started getting part of that custody battle. You know, whoever swoops up the rights for different anime. And you could be seeing, like, in the next year with a lot of the big name, um, like, you know, you have, like, NBC, they're taking The Office off of uh, Netflix. Um, right. Just, just trying to get people to go watch. And, like, I think Friends is the other one they have the rights for that's real big on netflix it makes you wonder like how like how much more aggressive some of these uh these anime are going to end up being part of these uh fights like obviously somebody like nbc is not going to own the rights to an anime but it should be fun to see like when the dust settles who has the rights to an anime sorry oh you're good you're good i was just gonna say you bring up a really good point with it's not just a custody battle over the anime it's over all kinds of you know popular television shows and it's not just the uh anime community that's upset about some of the shows that are being removed because you know like you said this is happening across you know other mainstream shows as well i mean i i would say that uh 50 of the time i'm watching netflix i'm watching the office so it, it is it's going to be a blow i think to lose shows like that and and also you know with with them battling over the rights to certain animes i know fate is a is a big one for people yeah, and it seems like Anaplex is pretty comfortable with, you know, giving Netflix the 
you know, the reins for that. And they also don't mind putting it on stuff like Crunchyroll. And that seems to be one that's going to be safe. Um, before we move on to kind of the shows that you really like and that we can talk about, now that I have you on the pod, I'm glad you were talking just now about that because there was a point I wanted to bring up. Um, a lot of people don't have the perspective of somebody who, like you said about how you and your wife will just kind of like sit down and kind of binge a show, you know, for a couple episodes and kind of work your way through it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody has the, you know, finger on the pulse every week of a show coming out kind of uh, viewership or followership of a show. Um, and it, I, it's interesting, like, I, I kind of made have already answered this for you, but, you know, you, you could talk about here, like, you know, there's merits to having a show just released all at once every episode because you can go at your own pace. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see that with a lot of Netflix originals where they'll just drop a whole season, you know, in, in one day. And like uh, Stranger Things is a good example. And if you want, you can watch that episode. You can watch one episode a day for like the next week or two weeks, or you can do what we do and just sit down and like on a Saturday, just the whole thing. And, you know, it, it's nice. I like it that way. I know that some people prefer like uh, weekly releases, but I, I like shows that bring out seasons like that because like you said, you can watch at your own pace. Right. I remember, like, probably the loudest people got about, like, pushing back against, like, having to wait for every episode to get released at once was uh, a Studio Bones show that just came out. Uh, they just released Carol and Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. That got a lot of uh, a lot of people, I don't want to say concerned, because they were just more upset, but um, <laughs> there was concern about, like, it just, it was encouraging a culture of piracy because it was like a really good show but netflix was like we're not gonna let you watch this legally in america you know everybody had their work around some countries had it every week come out but in america it was always the like what you were just talking about like the all or nothing kind of release right but you know i think if you i get that the easy answer to this would just be you know use american netflix every week for something to come out but until they do that, it seems to be like it has to be an absolute of one or the other. And I, I think we, you risk isolating new fans of anime and also like people like, you know, you and your wife who are very busy people and you were built around being able to binge on that Saturday like you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a possibility where you might lose a small amount of the audience, but I think you know, people who are coming into anime or watching it for the first time, I think most of them are millennials. And most millennials are probably used to this, you know, style of consuming media. All of the shows that are targeted at that generation, most of them, I would say, are released on some sort of streaming platform. And, you know, how many people do you know that actually still watch TV or that or that still have cable? I don't know that many personally. Sure. And there's something to be said too that it takes a while for there's a, it, there's something to be said that it takes a while for the shows to come up on Netflix, but if you see like you wouldn't know this, I don't think I've brought it up to you, but we had a writer, one of our writers, Doc Kef, he was talking about uh, the problems that Funimation now has their streaming service and like how wildly inconsistent their player is on their website. Sometimes the episodes don't upload. And there's something to be said about just being able to not have any interruptions from the, like the platform that you're watching the show on. So like, if you have to wait, I I don't know about you, but I feel like if I have to wait a couple months 
to make sure that what I'm watching is always going to be 1080p. You know, it's always going to be, <laughs> it's always going to be reliable. It's going to be there. You know what I mean? I'd right. rather wait for it than have to put up with like the drops in quality waiting several days for an episode to come out. I knew people who had Funimation now and were so impatient for a dub that they just jumped over and watched the sub either on Crunchyroll or just outright pirated shows. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because that, that's what I was thinking in the back of my mind the whole time you were talking about people waiting is that for years you've had subbed content released before dubbed content. And so the people who are really impatient and, and want to know what the story is or people that just prefer subbed, you know, they would go on all kinds of websites to watch these shows as they're being released overseas. And then people who didn't mind waiting or people who preferred the dub would have to wait anyways for us to get it in America. So I don't think it's all that different unless you're like a hardcore sub listener. Right. Watcher. Yeah. And it obviously the big solution, which doesn't seem like Netflix is going to come to anytime soon is just to release week to week. But you know, until they start making a dip in like viewership from anime and that's why a lot of people boycott right now, that's not going to change. But moving on to something that's a little bit more uplifting and I'd like to hear more from you with is I want to say your favorite anime you saw through Netflix, right? Uh, Samurai Champloo, right? Uh, did I? I know. I think <laughs> I think actually with Samurai Champloo, I was exposed to that on Toonami growing that up. That was on Toonami first. Okay. I knew they had it on. Netflix. I wasn't sure if you had watched it that way. Yeah. So the. First time all the way through was on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, but I had I had seen bits and pieces before that, right. and then I ended up loving it so much that I bought the Blu-ray collection. That's because yeah. it's my favorite. That's awesome. And then I know I I recently got you. I say recently; it's been like two years, <laughs> but uh, I got you into uh, Cowboy Bebop too. So that's um, it. Almost feels like those are the perfect kind of shows to have, like in week to week format but you could also binge them it's it doesn't matter how you go about that because they're like anthologies uh storytelling kind of stuff you know yeah definitely and that's one of the things that i found most appealing about both of those shows is that even though you don't really have uh like consistent storyline from episode to episode there's there was still like that there's an underlying story to it but you never know what to expect like one episode uh, like one episode, there's a there's a space refrigerator monster, yes. and then in another episode, you know they're chasing a bad guy who's basically uh, on some futuristic form of speed. So I like the variety, and and I agree with you that I think that would be a a great example of a show where a week to week release is probably the best way to watch it. Right, but it's also like it's not a detriment to to watch it all at once. So like. <laughs> The interesting thing about that kind of show, though, is that those are like once in once in a rare moon. You know, it's it, it doesn't it doesn't always come around like that. So sometimes the stories lend themselves to have to be binged. So yeah. I, and I don't and I'm not trying to like underestimate the people who get the rights to these kind of shows and stuff. But there's no way that they can know the implications of a show like that. Like if you imagine like Samurai Champloo came out today. You know, I, I doubt that the executives who bought the rights to it are really concerned about the, you know, like the how it's going to be told week to week versus being binged. And it, this sounds kind of rambly, I know, 
but it, it's interesting because I wanted to make that comparison with your show. I, I always, I always want to make sure that I exercise caution because I don't want to always be on one side or the other. I just, I want to be able to give multiple perspectives on it. Yeah. I mean, I could understand that. What was your, out, out of curiosity, I know you've told me this. I kind of, what was your favorite episode of both of those shows between Champloo and uh, Bebop? Like one from each. Uh, with with Shampoo, it was definitely near the end when they started to wrap the story up, and uh, it's the episode like where uh, Jin fights the other like legendary swordsman, and you think that Jin dies, right? Uh, but then he doesn't, and he comes back with his you know long mane of hair, looking like like hollow form Ichigo or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I I think that's probably my favorite episode of Samurai Champloo, and then Bebop. It's harder to choose. Um, While you're thinking of that too, it's like Bebop. It's interesting because I feel like as I age, like I appreciate different episodes more. Like just, uh, I haven't like, that's a show that I feel like if you took every episode of me watching it together, I've probably watched it like seven times all the way through, but it's also the kind of show that you can just kind of pick up from wherever. And I know while you're pulling that up, I'm just thinking like the the heavy metal episode, I hated the first time I watched it. And then like this most recent time I was watching through it, I was like, this is a really good episode where it's like the trash compactor. And like, it's all like the, you have like the transition between like just heavy metal playing and then just nothing in space. Like, I just think that's <laughs> super clever. Yeah, yeah, that one. I'll have to admit, the first time watching through, I, I wasn't a big fan of that episode either. Um, I've only watched Bebop through all the way twice, right? And I, I do. I think I had an appreciation of the whole the story as a whole, like watching it through the second time around, because I kind of saw the big picture before I started watching it. I guess if that makes sense, right? And it, correct me if I'm wrong. Your first exposure was when we watched the. Uh... Cowboy Bebop movie together. And that was like, that was the perfect little sample to give you. It was. I, I know that Bebop was also one of those shows that was on Toonami, but I think it just was one of those that came on so late or so early, however you want to say it, right. that as a little kid, I just didn't, I couldn't stay up and uh, watch it all the way through. So I do think that the first time I really sat down and watched it was when we watched the movie together. Have you seen the movie since? Like since since you finished watching the show, I haven't. I've looked for it at at uh, Best Buy and Target a few times. I know I could probably just get it on Amazon, right. but I keep meaning to pick it up because I I did enjoy it, and now I want to watch it after having watched the show. I remember because you and I were uh, slight spoilers for Cowboy Bebop. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. I mean, it's what twenty something years old now, but um, <laughs> um, like we were talking about like. There's that part where he's in jail and he's like, talk, he's talking about Julia and everything, but by in everything but name. And it just like, it it's perfect because it tells its own story, but then there's like deeper undertones and just like there's thematic things that you can appreciate more on your other times through. Um, you know, like the entire thing I think I, I brought up to you too was like, uh, you can see like there's a lot of deliberate shots throughout the main show that you could tell that he has a fake eye. They they don't really like spell it out until the very end, right? When he's got that like exchange with Faye, it it's just it's so good. <laughs> it is. 
I, All I right. do need to rewatch that. All right. So real quick, we're going to take a quick ad break. Have you ever gotten ready for a nice long day of not being a community only to realize that your internet is spotty? You have anime girls to look at, and you can't do that if they're in 360p or worse, not even on your screen. Rest assured, there is someone with your interest in mind. Lift Your Web is a crowdsourced premium service where users provide in-depth maps of unsecure Wi-Fi connections and ones with laughably small passwords based off of your GPS location. Never again will you go a day without having a reliable connection. Since, you know, you can just steal bandwidth from Nancy down the street who was just watching a quilting show on PBS anyways. You know, she won't miss her bandwidth. My listeners can get their first month of the service absolutely free, no questions asked, if they go to liftyourweb.poo backwards slash waifu and use promo code HAIR. That's HAIR, H-A-I-R. Remember, liftyourweb.poo backwards slash waifu, promo code HAIR, H-A-I-R. Now back to the show. Now we're back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always wait to see what people's questions are during the, during the ad reads. Um, okay, so getting back into this uh, conversation we're having here, you and I wanted to have almost higher podcast. We'll see how much we can do here in about twenty minutes, talking about uh, Fate Apocrypha, and even for Fate fans, this one's kind of the black sheep. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you want to start with saying what you liked about it, but uh, I'm just going to go ahead and stop all the commenters now. They can stop telling me it's Mordred for me, I, that there's more to it than that. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think for one, it was a refreshing storyline because so the first uh, series of Fate that I watched was Stay Night Un- Unlimited Blade Works. Right. And I have to make the distinction because I know that there was two different stay nights, I guess. Oh, yeah. So people get them confused or, or people like accuse me of getting them confused. So I'm making that distinction that it was unlimited blade works. And then uh, the next one that I watched, I guess it was kind of out of order, was Fate Zero. Right. Um, and, and I liked both of those a lot. And I liked the story a lot. But it did feel very similar because, you know, you had seven masters and seven servants and they battled over the holy grail and what i liked about apocrypha is that it switched things up and it was like okay instead of being one-on-one on one-on-one etc now it's these seven versus these seven and i i like the change of pace um i liked that in the beginning i was trying to choose my side like i don't know if i want to side with the the red or if i want to side with the black and as the story progresses, I think my mind slowly changed because it, at first I was like, oh, you know, Rider of Red obviously was my favorite character um, and the Servants of Red just seemed really cool. But then when you get to the intentions of the Masters and like, I guess, putting a finger on who's the protagonist and who's the antagonist, I ended up siding more with the Servants of Black Quick spoiler alert here, because I'm just going to say it. We need to talk about spoilers with this show. I'm just going to say it for the rest of this. There's going to be spoilers for Fate Apocrypha. When you say the Masters are red, which ones of them are you talking Most of them are dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, they all died in that high-class wine boy. Whatever. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's. It, it's so good that you, you, you said that you liked Ryder or Red, because I think the people who were left over after they kind of thinned out, like, what like three-fourths of the cast 
like the big problem everybody had for the first season this was airing. And, you know, this is where I was saying you and I didn't exactly get the same experience as everybody else because people were watching it as it was airing. Um, they were really fatigued by just how many characters. And they were like, oh, I need a flow chart to figure out and keep track of all these different character arcs. There's too many people. But, like, it's not as much of a blatant foul as people make it out to be. You know, like, I think what, by like eight or episode eight or nine, like half of the cast is pretty much killed off. Like, <laughs> like the ones that don't matter, I should say. You know, like they have their moment. You know, Spartacus has his, you know, his, his blow up. And then, like, no pun intended, like, you, you know, like the dumb characters go away. And then, like, even after, like, what, like, episode 14, like, the, after the second half started, like, you know, you kind of sorted through those. And then you got to really see the characters that were in focus. And I feel like those plot lines were, like, really well written. And it's a shame that more people didn't stick through with it because they're exactly what you're saying. You get to start seeing the different shifts. And even when it wasn't so much about the war anymore, about the characters, you didn't really want someone to lose. Like, when they were fighting each other, you're like, I kind of like both of these characters. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was his name like the one that achilles fought on the uh the centaur man you know what i mean like you were like i kind of would be cool with either of these guys like you, you weren't gonna be all that upset if either of them lost you know yeah it was archer of black i'm trying to remember what his actual name was because he's like a, a greek mythological uh hero who trained other heroes right uh, and he had he had trained achilles it's it's been it's been a few years since i watched it again but you know like it I've told you this too, like the internet has just ran off with Astolfo and like wanting to make a meme out of Astolfo, but Astolfo is one of the better characters. Like, you know, they are a really well-written character and I think they, they capture the spirit of that show really well. Like the, the wonder of exploration that there's a reason the show ends with Astolfo looking at a map on top of a rock. You know what I mean? Like there should be a wonder yeah, absolutely. I, I agree that Astolfo is one of the most interesting characters of the show. I mean, he, he right, uh, was the they. only... Was... I, I say they just because it doesn't... <laughs> it's just, okay. I, yeah, they is what I say. Was the only servant that really had any interest in the homunculus for like a good majority of the show, um, unless you're counting a ruler who, who kind of got involved there towards the end. But... Uh, the character development was pretty good, and Astolfo. I, at first, I like I couldn't really put my finger on <laughs> because they that character comes out being kind of like quirky and bubbly, uh, but then you get to see Astolfo in battle, and you're like, this character is no joke. Hmm. Yeah, I, there's also like people were crapping on the uh, the animation because it wasn't a UFO table doing it, but. There were moments, like, you bring up the Astolfo fights, uh, when Astolfo fought Karna, uh, and just how insane some of those frames got. Like, there were between shots where, if I'm not mistaken, there would be, like, the shot where, uh, was it Achilles' shield that Astolfo used? But, like, there would be the flame explosion that would hit that shield, and you would see, like, the ashes, like, just kind of pop off of it. And there was just a lot of stuff that took, like, very little detail and, like, you could tell it was a lot more like painstakingly drawn than what a usual fight scene was. And it, it, it picked its spots that it had fights, I should say. You know, you know what I mean? Like the animation wasn't always great, but like when it got to the big fights, they made them count. 
Yeah, it, it, and I agree. And I think on top of, I, I actually, I like the animation of it, but what I liked more than the animation, and we talked about this before, was the insane sound clips. Like, And I could see how it, it might be annoying if you're watching it like through something that doesn't have great sound. But when you're watching it on like your living room TV and your sound bar, mm-hmm. it just like shaked the whole place and it sounds so amazing. And I love the, I love the sound that they provided in the show. Yeah. You know, like when I always thought that UFO table shows were a little bit more about the visuals than like the sound, like you'd have good a sound, you'd have good soundtracks in there, but that that's also just anything related to fate. Like, I feel like it's always had, it always has like good composed music, but like, but we did talk about that, you know, uh, about like the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm sorry. The acoustics of some of the fights were like really good. Yes. Um, you, I mean, you said everything, but I just had to figure out the name of it. Um, but like, I think what I was getting at though, is the main, main characters, the story that's being told about, like everybody wants to get on Sieg, like whatever, Sieg's whoever you want to take it to be. Like that's just a homunculus who's turns into a dragon. Who cares? Um, <laughs> you know, like, you got Jean d'Arc, and then you got um, you got Astolfo, and you got Mordred, and those are really the big characters, I think, as far as the narrative's concerned, because that's usually who you saw the narrative revolving around. Everybody else was kind of like involved with that, and I tell people, I wrote that article about Mordred, and I, it's funny because everybody thought it was like a everybody thought it was a waifu thing, but like. I just really liked the way that they took what was known from different like tellings of the King Arthur story and just kind of <laughs> kind of painted a Mordred story to fit into that like the what they had already established as the King Arthur being in the fate universe. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that's something we talked about as well. It was really hard for me at first to understand how uh Artoria and uh Mordred and all the characters that related to the Arthurian, is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, Storyline makes sense because like it, it does get confusing because she, she keeps saying like my father and mm-hmm. you know, I'll be King. And they use these, these, these terms that are normally not gender neutral in a very gender neutral or maybe gender fluid way. Right. And we can get into the, we can get into the, like the left and right of it, what they decided to kind of take creative liberties with as far as since you're building off of a character that uh, you already wanted to just wash away and say they're like yeah you know what what if what if what if king arthur was a girl and then they're like well this might make <laughs> this might make some problems with the rest of us yeah who cares let's do it just keep doing it and obviously obviously king arthur's da- daughter wait i thought you said that so no it's a daughter we have to sell merchandise whatever you want. <laughs> like if you want to make a joke about that go ahead and do it but it's like really gripping. Like you see the full completion of uh, Mordred's character arc there. Just realizing like all that hatred that she had was just because like she wanted to be able to live up to her father's name and like be able to like take some of that burden off. And that's, that's like oddly super deep and existential for like a, (laughs) for like an anime. Like as much as people crap on fate, like, that's a real problem. I think that a lot of, and you know, this comes to what I was saying, like where it doesn't matter what gender it is. I think a lot of children, as they reach like an emerging adulthood age, they, they have that problem where they want to, they want to live up, not necessarily to like surpass their parent, but like to, to like show that maybe like for the ones that had parents that were in their lives and I'm projecting, I'm sorry, but like, (laughs) 
from what I've talked to with people, because I'm not the only one who had this opinion. I didn't. I wouldn't just fire off the hip with. Like they found that character to be like very like cathartic. You know. Yeah, and and I I agree. I don't want to get into the whole left and right of it. I I do think it was cool how they switched things up, how they changed some of the historical characters and. I don't think people are like really concerned that they did that. I think most people are okay with it. Yeah. Not to mention it made for like, just an amazing like scene there in the end. And like, uh, I always get his name wrong, but the, the sunglasses guy that was the the master for, or there was that great line where it's like, it doesn't matter who you're talking about. Like if you want to pass someone, like you're the best way for you to do that is to study them and then to surpass them, like to be the best you can be. And then, and then like, study yourself and then study them and then surpass them i thought that was like a really cool little bit there because there was like several moments that like i was like genuinely smiling at like between the exchanges of some characters because i didn't always have that watching the other fate series like it it was very kind of bleak like you know like fate stay night and fate stay night unlimited blade works i just recently read uh the uh, uh the most recent uh one that they're probably not going to make an anime out of unfortunately unfortunately but um look at the, the quote-unquote sequel to it fate hollow um mm. that one that one was more laid back but like to that point like you have these characters that are iconic and sometimes you don't want it to always just be all doom and gloom so it's kind of cool and they have some moments of relief there between like they can talk to each other and like show like some chemistry yeah it was cool and i think the only other time I can remember seeing that in like one of the other uh, Fate series was the relationship between Ryder and Waver in Fate Zero. I I think there were sidetrack positive vibes there, like when they go shopping or they're playing video games or whatever. But uh, for the most part, I mean, like you said, the other series they're pretty dark, they're pretty gloomy at times, and it seems like one tragedy or one loss to the next. So it was cool to see those those side relationships kind of developing between you know master and servant i i might have this wrong but i want to say the you have those kind of characters those character dynamics is because of um i want to say it had the same writer for uh fate zero as uh as fate apocrypha like there was the same writer for that because i know i don't want to i'm pretty sure both of those weren't written by the original series creator so that might be where you get that kind of writing from and also it's kind of funny that in that case that uh the original is not as well written as like the inspired the, the inspired spin-off ones right um that's kind of a case of where it's like maybe the original ma- and you know uh i've told you the original maker has been known for having some uh, uh questionable decision making for the content of uh the fate franchise <laughs> and uh thank- thankfully ufo table and i think this a one who made this like they decided to be like yeah let's kind of steer away from that material <laughs> yeah i think that was the wise decision there um <laughs> oh man but people at Anate still give me crap because the first week that i joined i told them i like fate and then they started reading some from the uh the original visual novel to me and uh let's just say i'm not gonna think of the character Rin tosaka the same way you know it's just kind of <laughs> Kind of went places, unfortunately. Yeah, the I, I know we've talked about that before, and and you actually enlightened me on some of the original explicit content, and <laughs> it would have been 
I think it would have taken away from a lot of the of the fans of the show right now and maybe would have created a, like ultra devoted small number of fans almost like its own cult if they would have had if they would have put that in it, it, it's sad too because i don't like i want to give this dude the benefit of the doubt like he he like he made this like really cool sounding story it's just like you know it's king Arthur, it's king arthur king arthur king arthur but it's king arthur but it's a woman it's a you know it's a story of empowerment and all this and then the guy was just sitting across the table and go, but it's a girl, right? And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but so it's a girl. And, you know, like, it's kind of weird, especially in 2019, to have that be like the, like the genesis of what might be arguably like the most successful franchise currently in Japan. Like, I want to say like, Fate Go made just an unholy amount of money. <laughs> it's just stupid. <laughs> hey, um, man. Those uh, in-app purchases. In-app purchases. Get Got to get that quartz. Um, yep. Before we get going, though, uh, what are you watching right now? And is there any is there anything coming out that you're looking forward to? Ooh, honestly, man, recently I've been on that, uh, that new parent uh, yeah. agenda. So. Congrats, my man. Congrats, my man. Thank you. I haven't been watching a whole lot of new anime. Uh, I'm trying to think. What was the most recent? The most. You're watching JoJo, movie? right? You, you started JoJo's. Bizarre yeah, Empire? yeah, I did. Um, I still haven't gotten much further than the last time we talked when you came here. But <laughs> I've watched like the first four episodes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure for the first time, and it, it's really interesting. For all the uh, for all the JoJo fans out there, uh, just so you know. Uh, Red or red here. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't sure if he, he wasn't sure if he was gonna continue watching. And I had to do the due diligence of showing him like a fight later on in part four. And he's just <laughs> looking at it. He's just like, dude, this is insane. Like I remember we were in your car. You were like, I'm so confused because they're like doing martial arts right now. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah just keep watching. It gets crazier. <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. I was oh. like, this is some Dragon Ball Z <laughs> junks right here. They're stopping time and all that. Like, <laughs> he's got a bomb in his hand. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can respect that. Um, I will say, I will, I will give you a recommendation on the air. Um, Carol and Tuesday is made by Studio Bones, so it's got that kind of like whenever you get a minute, you know, episode or two here and there. It's about a, I want to say, it takes place on Mars. I just started it yesterday myself. Um, it's about two like aspiring musicians, and it's like really heartfelt so far. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. It's like uh, kind of like you know those anime that aren't really anime. Like it doesn't really quite tell like the normal like shonen anime story. Like you get yeah. kind of like a slice of life kind of a little bit from like a kind of a, like a futuristic setting, but you know it's in a good place. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. What what uh, platforms is it available on to be watched? Oh, it's, it's on Netflix, baby. And it was probably the most pirated show the past six months. Dang. Okay. Well, now I have to watch it. <laughs> we, uh, our, guys, uh, our guys on our podcast, they used to joke that they would catch a flight to Japan every week to watch it. Like that was, that was their code for since they couldn't say that they pirated it. Oh, okay. But dub's really good. I mean, you know. There's like five of us who listen to this show who are uh, interested in dubs. And I'm going to throw you in there as the sixth. So, you know, it's always good when there's a good dub. So, absolutely. All right, man. Well, I hope to have you on here again soon. Uh, 
thanks for coming on. Uh, you're right now, as of right now, you are the first non-Anate person on the podcast. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. I, I feel very honored. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man.